2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and
4: 1019 FM. WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Now, on this morning's show, I want to do a, a deeper and sort of a long-range look at how high school and college sports have been, well, totally upended over the last couple of years in ways we can still only imagine. And I'm talking about two monumental shifts in amateur sports, The impact of name image likeness and allowing athletes to quite literally cash in on financial deals that have the potential to make them wealthy even before they play one play in college. And right beside NIL is the impact of the open transfer portal, which allows college student athletes to basically jump from one college to another without having to sit out a traditional year. That is, they can play for a different college and a different coach just as soon as they transfer in. Now, for most of us, these two changes are still somewhat hard to to comprehend, particularly for somebody like myself who grew up in a world where there was a real, real wall between money, college athletes, and, and what you could earn. But the simple truth is the impact of these, these really these uh, sea changes is still playing out and will continue to play out ...for many years to come. And I want to get into this today. Now, later on in the hour, if I have time, I also want to give you the latest chapter in the ongoing Sports Edge Police Blotter. And also share with you an important insight into sports psychology that, well, quite frankly, all athletes need to focus on and to develop on their own. The question really is, at what age should a young athlete start to practice this key aspect of sports psychology? But first up, well, we all know that the old and traditional rules of the NCAA were pretty much blown up and tossed aside in the last couple of years. The impact of NIL and the transfer portal, both of which were impossible to assume would ever take place. Well, they have indeed landed and have changed amateur sports forever. So what the question is not whether these changes will take place. They have. There's no need to debate whether they are good or bad. The question now shifts to what kind of impact these changes are going to have. High school and college athletes can now legally generate lots of money from endorsements. And college athletes can jump from one school to another without having to sit out a year. So what happens next? Well, for starters, I do see and recognize that we have much more parity in terms of talent among college teams than ever before. And that I totally attribute to the fact that there were literally thousands of college athletes transferring all over. And that has the effect of leveling the playing field across the board. And I also see where college and high school athletes, at least some of them, are now beginning to rake in all sorts of huge paydays. In short, my friends, we are once again clearly in the wild, wild west. The question is, what happens next? So, when I come back after the break, I'm going to talk with ESPN's Noah Savage, who is well-versed in all of this and has made it clear on the sports edge in the past that he is very much in favor of what's been going on. So, I'm, I'm eager to get Noah's perspective on all of this, and where do we go from here? I'll be back with Noah right after this timeout.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: Back here on the Sports Edge, let me introduce my my guest. uh, And obviously... uh, I'm very close to Noah, as you'll find out in a second. Noah is a broadcaster who, who covers college basketball for ESPN, ESPN Plus, and the Ivy League Network. And for the past uh, decade, Noah has been covering Princeton men's basketball as their color commentator on their broadcasts. Uh, in addition, you should know that he's performed stand-up comedy in the New York City area for the past eight years. Uh, and he's performed uh, all around uh, New York City as at the New York Fringe Festival and the Brooklyn Comedy Festival. He runs a show called Savage Von Wolf, with his much funnier and prettier wife, Alyssa. (laughs) As a player himself, Noah was Princeton's captain, an all-Ivy League performer, graduated in the top 10 in career three-pointers made in Princeton history. He also played a year professionally in Switzerland during the 2009 season. And by the way, friends, just in terms of journalistic integrity, I need to point out that Noah is indeed married to my daughter Alyssa, and yes, he is my son-in-law. Okay, Noah, thank you for getting up and talking with me this morning about this uh, this unbelievable impact, this sea change in terms of what's happening. Now, from what I see every day, there are all sorts of financial endorsements that college and even high school athletes are now signing, not just for for, for walk-around money, but for big money, money that's guaranteed if they, these, these athletes do some, perhaps, autograph signings or perhaps post some tweets about the sponsor or just let the world know that they love and embrace a, a sponsor's a product or service. And this money goes right to the athlete's pocket. It does not go to the college. It has no impact on the kid's athletic scholarship. It's just a big payday for the athlete who's already, if they play at a major D1 program, they're already getting free tuition, room and board, so this is just again, it's a sit, and of course nobody is complaining because it just seems that money is raining down from the sky. Noah, do you agree with that?
3: Yeah, on the coaches. <laughs> yeah, the uh, this is listen, this is a long time coming, Rick, and this is something that athletes have known for a long time, which is that these coaches are walking around ten million dollars deal with Davo Sweeney, a fifty million dollar deal, Coach Calipari. And this really, like, it strikes to the heart of what college athletics really are, which is from a business standpoint, they're the greatest content marketing campaign of all time, okay? They are the greatest content marketing campaign of all time. And for the, you know, older listeners, or people don't know what content marketing is, is you make something, people watch it, and then advertisers flock to the eyeballs. Now, that could be college football or college basketball, or you can make a TikTok video where you, you know, shoot a firecracker in the air and it goes viral. So, finally, there's been some level of sanity where, you know, I feel bad for guys like Johnny Football or Zion Williamson or the guys who were transcendent stars in the past who should have got 5 to 10 million dollars from Nike because they were the face of of every broadcast for the entire season. So, one thing to point out is that Yeah, this money seems big, like an $800,000 deal for two years for a uh, Miami Guard reported. But when you compare it to the $6 billion that the NCAA got for the broadcast rights, it's still kind of peanuts. Okay, well, I want
4: to focus primarily today, uh, and I'm not disagreeing with you, uh, because obviously uh, the big-time college coaches do rake in millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's all guaranteed, and if they – if things don't work out, they get a severance package, which also usually runs into the millions of dollars. I'm talking, of course, today about the athletes. And I know, and we'll get into this, I know you have your own history, and you've asked, you know, you basically have been asking for years, how is this fair? How is it equitable that the universities are making big bucks off the TV contracts, the coaches are getting big bucks, but the players, yes, they, get, they may get scholarship money, but the fact is they're not seeing anything beyond that. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I, I hear you in this. Um, I got to tell you, I, <laughs> I, I did a little research, obviously, to see some of the more unusual deals that are, quite frankly, they're, they're, I think they're creative. And maybe that's a good thing yeah. in terms of some of these uh, college student athletes. For example, I will go through half a dozen here. There's a wide receiver at the University of Nebraska. His name is D. Coldest Crawford. That's his first name, D. Coldest mm-hmm. Now, he recently inked an NIE deal with a local HVAC company, SOS Heating and Cooling. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Now, you you couldn't think of a better deal for this kid because, after all, his name is the coldest. And he he is the coldest. He's playing in Nebraska. So he he went out and cut a deal. uh, And uh, I guess things are working out quite well. He's getting paid because of his name. Number two, one yeah. The, yeah, one of the nation's uh, top running backs is a fellow named uh, Bijan Robinson at the University of Texas. Well, mm. he wanted to get some sort of unique NIL deal. And, you know, in Texas, they do things in a, in a big, big way. So he decided, I'm going to go out and see if I can cut a deal with a, with a car dealer. No, but he didn't go to like a Ford or a Chrysler. He cut a deal, an I deal, with the local dealership that handles Lamborghinis. So he's now, he's now driving around campus and going to the home games in his Lamborghini. Pretty impressive. Raquan Raek, Smith uh, has evolved from being a Norfolk State running back to, the, to the, basically he presents himself as being the king of NIL. This guy Smith he's going to be a senior. He's a senior now at, at Norfolk State, uh, and he has now put together 70 NIL deals. He stopped mm-hmm. playing football as a running back, and now he's going to be a decathlete for the track and field team. And he's also basically uh, teaching other student-athletes how to you know, make sure they can cash in on NIL as well. I mean, it's, it, it just it goes on. Now, here's one I have to ask you about, because I, I still can't believe this, Noah. There's mm-hmm. a top quarterback out of California, a kid named Jaden yeah. Rashada. The mm-hmm. reports I'm reading is that he got into a bidding war between going to the University of Florida— because apparently he's a top, top quarterback, and the University mm-hmm. of Miami, and the rumor is that he has signed a deal with a Miami Hurricanes booster that's going to pay him $9.5 million. That's, that's
3: great. <laughs> Fantastic.
4: I, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that. It's like, like the kid won the lottery. I mean, as I said, it's just sort of raining money
3: from out of the sky. I mean, this it, is unbelievable. And right. the... When you go to a game... When you go to a game and you see a, a celebrity coach and the quarterback stinks, yep. Do you have a good time? Do you <laughs> like watching your team with a bad quarterback, or do, or do the players actually matter? And I think that well, the, it doesn't the thing isn't that it? To, if you're yeah, paying
4: somebody a coach, if you're paying a coach, you know, several million dollars a year to coach your college team. Isn't it sort of incumbent and expected he's going to bring in some top quarterbacks or top running backs or top linebackers?
3: Oh, 100 percent. And what we, what everyone needs to start thinking about college sports as is. Think of it as entertainment. If think about if you ran a multi million dollar movie studio on Ohio State's campus, yep. And some students went down every day, and they made movies, and then people watched the movies. Millions of people watched the movies, and then the old way was, and all right, you get tuition. But now it's become so ridiculous that this had to change, and they're still not pay for play technically, but what they've done is they've created collectives on these campuses. So basically, it's a group of boosters paying a student athlete or a group of student athletes uh, and somehow kind of getting around the pay for play. But, you know, the next step is there's going to be collective bargaining and they're just going to pay the players. One of the examples that
4: you brought about the collective uh, collectives, uh, because they are sort of grouped together by the alumni, uh, Texas Tech football. They found Mm -hmm. a way this year uh, to basically put together a collective uh, nonprofit, which basically guarantees every member of the Texas Tech football team, Mm -hmm. uh, they get a base salary, for lack of a better term, of $25,000 next year. Now, what what these Texas Tech alums did, this booster club, they put this thing together uh, so that, A, they felt it was imperative so that Texas Tech could compete against all the other major D1 football programs. But the kicker on this, which I thought was kind of interesting and kind of, you know, I thought a good idea, uh, what these kids have to do to earn their $25,000 is they have to agree to uh, go out and do community service and work basically as representative for, for charities mm. in the West Texas area. That's that's a nice gesture. I mean, because maybe that will have some positive impact uh, in the Texas Tech, uh, you know, following. Um, but again... Yeah, it's a win-win. Huh? It's a win-win. Yeah, I was going to say, so... I, I do, it'd, be, it'd be great if more and more colleges did this. I don't know if they will or not. And, and I, I, you know, again, I just also want to point out, Bobby, we've talked mostly about uh, male athletes here. We can't overlook the fact that the, uh, the sisters, uh, Hannah and Haley Cavender, uh, who have been star basketball players at Fresno State mm-hmm. and just transferred to the University of Miami, um, they, were, they were big stars on social media And now they're doing deals with like Boost Mobile and uh, Six Star Pro Mm -hmm. Nutrition. But they make their money not necessarily from from the college where they go, but because they can earn money from endorsements and, of course, from social media. I mean, I don't have to lecture you. You know this. I mean, they're like a huge entity on social media. They have something like 7 million followers on TikTok and Instagram. And that just generates other advertisers who want to basically tap in and get their their blessing for – for their for their endorsement.
3: So yeah, and you, go ahead. You hit on a great point, Rick, which is that so before NIL, let's say that these sisters had a huge social media following. Right. Right? But they happened to be athletes. They wouldn't be allowed to accept any money from that social media following. Yep. So in a way, they were putting athletes, you know, three years ago at a disadvantage to the quote unquote normal student. And one of the main goals of the NCAA, which is an absolutely asinine and ridiculous goal is to make they, they want student athletes to quote unquote basically have the same experience as non-athlete students right so it would be a violation back in the day you go to the deli and you get an extra slice of turkey or i give you a free coke that's a, a violation back in the day so so we knew like think about even the lamborghini that uh john robinson's driving around yep Back in the day, there were multiple reports of wide receivers and running backs driving luxury cars, but now it's above board, and now it's okay. So, you know, this is all positive, and this is all basically trying to get some sanity. And for women athletes, this is fantastic, because you might follow someone because they're on TikTok and Instagram, and then you might actually go, wow, maybe I'll turn on the game and watch some of these great student athletes, whether playing volleyball, softball, basketball. But it's a positive Across the board, I and and what's amazing about it is that this solution has been there for a long time. Well, this this it's, it's the same model as Olympic athletes. Yes, going back to put the dream team on on the Wheaties box. Right, you're not getting paid to play, but you know what? You're going to get a Visa ad, and you're going to get a Wheaties ad, and a Nike ad, and it's been an easy solution. And the only reason it hasn't existed before is because of the greed of the NCAA, and it took a court decision to basically force their hand to, quote-unquote, allow this to happen.
4: Well, that uh, we're talking with Noah Savage of ESPN, and he just gave us a pretty good overview of the history and how we've gotten to this point, Noah, and I agree with you. I mean, uh, if you go back to the days, uh, you know, over 100 years ago, Jim Thorpe uh, being disqualified uh, from the Olympic Games and having to give back his gold medals, uh, because of the fact that it came up that he'd been playing and got paid uh, semi-pro baseball. I mean, this is just... It, it, we've come so far from those days. Um, hey, give Reggie Bush back his Heisman, right? No, Reggie like, Bush. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Give it back to him. <laughs> I, I, I just, it, it's, and again, just the last few years, before all this stuff came legal, I mean, there were college athletes, uh, not necessarily household names as perhaps in track and field or uh, running at, uh, at smaller colleges, but the fact is these were athletes who were making so much money on social media as influencers, that they had to make a decision. Well, do I keep competing for my college, which doesn't generate me any money whatsoever? Because if I if I stay with my social media outlets and uh, Twitter and, and Instagram, I'm making millions. So it was like a no brainer. Obviously, they're gonna go where the money is. And now, of course, a few years later, these athletes could be could be still competing, still playing sports in college, but also making the money, having their cake and quite literally eating it as well. I, I it's it's um. You know, I, I there's an article last week, uh, uh, well, a few months ago. Nick Saban of Alabama, the football coach, and Jimbo Fisher of Texas A and M, uh, they were quoted as saying that they there really is a need to make all of these NIL deals uh, to be very transparent and upfront. Why they say that? Because they didn't want any other colleges who they compete against to get a leg up uh, on all the others in the recruiting sweepstakes. But According to uh, ESPN, which actually then followed up on this, very few colleges are actually revealing the key details on these NIL deals. Uh, they, they, obviously, yep. they're they're saying, "Well, we'll show you that we'll give you some broad numbers, but we're not going to tell you who the athletes are. We're not going to tell you how much money they're getting or who the sponsors are." Now, is that fair? And obviously, I know what you're going to say about this: Can we expect the NCAA to intervene and control this? Obviously, no. They're not. They're no okay. longer. They're they're pretty much toast at this juncture um well
3: the other thing rick is think about anybody who works at a company that has full pomp transparency i I think it's very rare right if you ever find out someone you work with makes a little bit more than you for the same job or you know makes a lot more than you for the same job guess what that does to you as a fully grown adult in your 40s or 50s now picture that you are you know like the guy from miami isaiah wong he finds out that there's a transfer coming in, getting 800 grand. And yep. he says, no, 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 no. I'm out of here. i put my name in the transfer portal. So the transparency of this is going to be fought mainly by the schools, Rick. Well. Because <laughs> if they let people know, if, first of all, if they let the athletes on their own team know, here's what this guy's making or that guy's making, that's not going to make people very happy. And number two, they don't want to just create, like it's already a monster that's growing and growing and growing. Yes. But if there was full transparency, it would it would just go astronomical in terms of oh well you're offering ten mil over here, we're gonna get twelve. How about twenty? How about thirty? And then eventually it's just gonna become fully pro sports with a salary cap. Like well, that, that's that's where we're headed over the next ten years.
4: Yeah, and I wanna to come to that uh, later on in the hour with you, but uh to your point, I mean I if I'm looking this is like this article about Coach Saban and Coach Fisher saying they want transparency and we have to reveal the numbers. I'm thinking these guys haven't, and they're making millions and millions of dollars on their football salaries, but they haven't thought this through for the, exactly the point you just said, that all of a sudden big star athlete comes in and is you know, very happy with the deal he got uh, You know, in terms of NIL money from that, as he, he or she attends that college. But When they find out somebody on their teammates is making more, uh-oh, well, what are you going to do about it, coach? Well, I'm sorry, but you already signed the deal, and uh, we can't go back and renegotiate. Well, you tell you what, I'm going to transfer someplace else. where well, they're going to pay me more. And I, I think, as you said, this is, this is what's going to happen. And uh, I, I can understand the, the frustration and the, the, the difficulty that coaches have to, uh, have to deal with this. But in effect, they sort of, in effect, created this problem with, with their
3: own major salaries. Yeah, and I'm sure you're going to lead me there in the next segment, but one of the big changes that we've seen because of NIL and the transfer portal is that I think programs in the traditional sense really don't exist as a four-year program anymore. Yeah. Every team is a one-year team. Yep. Yeah. Because if you're at the low major level and your players are playing well, they're gone. And if you're at the high major level, they still might be gone. I mean, what what amazes me is You've got guys like Remy Martin, all Pac-12, and he transfers to Kansas. And guess what? He ends up winning a national championship, so you can't fault him for it. But what's amazing to me is that even at a blue-chip, top-of-the-line program, you're still not safe, even if a guy is playing every minute and getting every shot.
4: Yeah, I I think that's – and, again, that's the hardcore reality. Uh, You know, and I – Talk about transferring, and and, uh, we'll come up on a break in in a minute here, but I always come back to this amazing story, uh, this this quarterback, uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, from... He grew up and was a star quarterback in Texas, and he was offered a $1.4 million NIL deal when he was about ready to go to college. But it turns out that uh, at that time, just a couple of years ago, Texas did not allow NIL deals. So the Mm -hmm. kid... Decided. Okay, no problem. I'll go to Ohio State. Well, he goes to Ohio State as a freshman, and he's getting his $1.4 one, one point four million dollars, but he doesn't play more than three or four plays the entire season because they have C.J. Stroud, the outstanding quarterback at Ohio State. So what? Did, what did Ewers do? He transfers back to Texas because now they've changed the uh, the laws there, and now he's yeah. a rising star in the Texas team. He still got his he still got his nil money last last year at Ohio State, not doing much. But now he's going to be a star. And then keep in mind, looking ahead, <laughs> uh, the uh, Arch Manning, the most heralded high school quarterback of the year, he's going to Texas next year. So it's, you know, this is high finance as to who's going to get what and who's going to play and so on and so forth. It is really fascinating stuff. All right. Let me, let me take a pause here. We're talking about the impact, taking a long-range view of what's going to happen with NIL and college sports, college athletes, and we'll talk about the transfer portal and how it plays a key role in this as well. We're talking with Noah Savage of ESPN. We'll take a time out and come back. Stay with me. Hey, welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. I'm talking this morning with uh, Noah Savage, who covers college basketball and ESPN. But before I return to our conversation with Noah, I I I did promise you at the start of the show the the latest entry uh, from the Sports Edge police blotter. And this one comes from the city of Boston, where a, a well-respected and veteran Catholic high school football coach suddenly quit his job after having to endure abusive and vulgar parents on the sideline after a game. Quote, the joy of coaching kind of gets ripped away from you, said Con Chase, the former head coach of Cardinal Spellman High School in Brockton. It's just nonstop, whether it's the plays that stink or I don't have the team ready to play. They're just constantly yelling at us now chase who, whose team had a three and three record this season he just said it's just the, the general vulgar behavior that keep coming from the parents in fact so last year we had a guy a parent follow one of our assistant coaches out of the coaching booth now coach chase who was coach spedman for the last two of his career 19 seasons uh he called it quits as i said last week uh, after a loss to uh, uh, bishop fenwick high school peabody um but, you know, this is not the first time that, that we've seen this happen, where a serious and well-respected high school coach has just, well, quite frankly, gotten fed up and, and walked out the door. Remember we talked to uh, Chris de Blasio out of Saddlebrook High School Boys Basketball? He quit his job earlier this season, uh, last, this past year, when he was being accosted by angry sports dads. So i got to tell you, in this day and age of mental health and our coaches, don't be surprised if we see this kind of nonsense happening even more where the parents, the parents basically just use their verbal abuse to drive good quality coaches out of their jobs. Okay, we're talking with uh, with Noah Savage. We're talking about NIL and the transfer portal. No, we just talked in the first part of the show about all these amazing deals. These are not, this is not just, as I said, you know, pin money uh, for kids in college, make a few extra bucks. This is hundreds of thousands, in some cases millions of dollars, uh, has nothing to do with how well they play. It just has to do with the fact that they're lending their name to these major sponsors. Uh, I have to assume that because all this is tied together, the Transfer Portal, NIL, and obviously college athletes talk to each other all the time, there's, there's going to be a situation here where we're going to see a, a real direct impact, and maybe we already are when it comes to kids uh, jumping from one college to another uh, because they're unhappy either with the coach or their playing time, or they feel they can get more money someplace else. You, you're involved in this. I mean, in the sense that you're a college, you cover college basketball. What are you seeing and what are you hearing?
3: Well, number one, it's it's making my job harder, right? Because <laughs> you get to know a kid, and you go, "Wait, what the hell? He's on his other team now." <laughs> and if you think about just in in major, high level, uh, you know, blue chip programs. Oscar Shibway, Kentucky's best player, player of the year. Yep. He's a transfer from West Virginia. Yep. Brady Manick transferred from uh, Oklahoma to North Carolina. He's an impact player. Remy Martin, ACC player of the year, Alondis Williams. So it's not just guys who are role players or disgruntled, but, you know, it it impacts every level. And and there's teams in in low D1, you know, bottom 100 type programs where they have a good year. They'll, they'll lose all of their team, And I'm not exaggerating. They'll lose the whole roster. So I spoke with a coach, and he says, number one, we have to recruit our own, our own team. So you literally have to recruit the players you've already recruited to stay with the program, number one. Number two is, at the high major label, the, the guys who are promised shots and playing time, they're gone in a second. I, you know, I,
4: I'm listening to this, and as you just said, what really sort of stuck with me it's the fact that the college coaches, particularly, you know, I mean, the, the high-powered programs, and even the ones that are less high-powered, the coach has to first bring the kids in, and then he's got to make sure or she has to make sure
3: they stay there. That's
4: unbelievable.
3: Yeah. And, and let's be clear about what the portal is, Rick, because a lot of people say, well, transfers always existed, right? But the difference is that to make it easier for the student-athlete to transfer, they created a portal. You think you might want to transfer? You pop your name in, it takes two seconds, and then all of a sudden you're getting interest, right? Yep, yep. So it's the difference between back in the 90s you had to order a pizza, right? You go, i got to pick up the phone, i got to find the cat. Ah, maybe I won't. Now I go on my phone, beep, 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 the pizza's at my door, right? Yep. So maybe you order pizza a little more often, right? <laughs> so if you're a disgruntled player and you got your smartphone, which, by the way, are ruining the world, you go on your phone, you're, you're, you're a little bit ticked off after practice, boom, you're in the transfer portal, In under two minutes. And all of a sudden, Kansas wants you and Miami, and oh my God, and you're only playing at Delaware, and oh, I can't believe I'm getting interest from Virginia Tech or whatever it is. So, what's happened is by trying to empower the student athletes with this portal, I mean, it's created an absolute hellscape for coaches because why would you recruit a high school kid, Rick, when you can recruit a college ready player out of the portal, and there were 1,500 players in the portal last year?
4: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I agree with you uh, when I coach college baseball, again, you know, a hundred years ago, but you always said to yourself, well, there are really proven qual- quality uh, kids coming out of junior college um, and they have two more years or a year or more of, of maturity. Why would not I go with a JUCO uh, transfer as opposed to a kid coming out of high school? Because it's just, it's just, they're, they're more proven. And it's the same kind of philosophy that you're talking about now. Why would a college coach take a chance on a high school kid um, when they can take a chance on a kid, A, who's played somewhere else at a D1 program or is, has uh, been a, a top uh, performer somewhere else in college uh, at a D2, even a mm-hmm. D3 level? I mean, it's... it's
3: it's yeah, And from a an evo- talent evaluation standpoint, it's really hard to tell from an AAU game or a high school game how good a kid is, right? He could have 30 points, but it's it, even for college coaches, they've they missed a lot on recruits. But if you go low D1 and you get 20 a game, guess what? That three-point line is the same distance. That hoop is the same height. And now you've proven that you can score and you can shoot, and you're going to be a hot commodity you know, nationally. And uh-huh. at the low major level, I had a coach tell me that he doesn't recruit high school kids because he goes, I'm not trying to develop them and get them ready to transfer to UConn. That's word for word what he said, because he he knows he's good at skill development. They'll be here two years, and then they'll be gone. So he goes, I'll take a kid from a JUCO, bring him here. He's happy to be playing D1 basketball, and I get two good years out of him.
4: What about, and again, this is just speculative uh, but this, this sort of lends me to the story you just told about the coach and saying, I don't want to bring a kid here who's just going to transfer to UConn after it's been a year here in my program. Uh, do, do we find that there are college coaches that basically sort of surreptitiously go out and put their feelers to kids at other programs and say, you know, I realize you're not in the transfer portal, but I've seen some video of you. If you ever thought about yeah. transferring, we'd be interested in you here at, at, uh, you know, at State. I mean, does that happen?
3: Yeah. Well, if you, listen, Rick, if you can think of it, they're doing it. Number yeah. one, okay. they're doing anything under the sun because really, it's it's become the Wild West, right? Yes. Transfer isn't. It used to be the biggest reason why kids didn't used to transfer. There's two reasons. One, you had to sit a year. Yes. So now you don't have to sit a year. Your first transfer, you get one freebie where you can transfer and play right away. Right. The second reason is that it was looked down upon. It was like, wait, you're transferring. You must be the problem.
4: <laughs> yes, you, the
3: is, kid, must be the problem. Which that is correct. I don't know how often that happens anymore, Rick. Uh, so it no. was, it was the Scarlet Little. You're, you're damaged. You're, you're transferring. Why would you transfer from a great program? I'm not kidding.
4: I mean, I, 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 uh, I hear you in that. I think that's exactly right. Uh, it, it's, it's. There was a, there was a stigma, you know, not that long ago, and for a hundred years, that well, if you transferred out of a of a program. Uh, the the general perception was, well, the problem is not the coach or the university. It must be you. You must be a difficult teammate or, or selfish or self-centered or have mm-hmm. some sort of issues because nobody transfers because who wants to sit an entire year and not play? Nowadays, yep. it's again, once again, it's totally reversed. It's now a 180 situation where kids are saying, well... Sort of uh, either I'm not happy where I am, but I remember back out of high school, this other college coach really wanted me to go to his program, so I think I'm going to transfer. Uh, or, or the kids hear from us, uh, you know, from playing ball, that what other guys are making in terms of NIL money, and at my particular university they don't have those kind of situations. I'm not making any money on the side while I'm playing ball here. There's a lot of reasons for any young Enterprising young person to say, maybe the time has come to me at least to explore what 's out there and as you said if if we're talking about it, yes, I am sure this is happening all over the country with you know uh, colleges everywhere. I may ask you this How, do the do, do college coaches do they have traditionally somebody on their and this maybe it sounds like a naive question i don 't mean it that way do they now have people on their staff who are basically their job is to basically scour the uh, the transfer portal or look at video from kids from other schools and and uh, oh, one
3: hundred percent. So one one hundred percent. But I would say it's probably not only one. It's probably part of every assistant coach's job. But I'm sure there's at least one that's saying, "You're the transfer portal guy, and you got to know what's going on," um, because, like we said, it's they're they're ready-made products. But one thing I want to point out, Rick, is that we are saying, "Oh, this is so hard for the coaches. It's become really hard to recruit, and it has." But I think that. Two other areas that are hurt are the high school kid, because if you're a good high school player, it actually hurts your recruiting because they're recruiting their transfers first before they even get to you, number one. But it helps the player that's in a situation that, guess what? Sometimes the coach is actually wrong. So when the coach is wrong about you and you say, I think I'm a better player than this, you actually have recourse and have somewhere to go and get some more playing time. And the other thing is they used to just recruit you wine you, dine you, show you a great time. And then the second you get on campus, all they do is yell at you, treat you like garbage, and stick you on the bench, right? Yep. So now this has forced coaches to actually create cultures where the main reason why you're not going to leave is because guess what? It's too fun to be here. So it's actually created a, a, a situation where coaches have to change the way they coach, and I don't think that's all bad I think that's a good thing for players.
4: Uh, let's talk about high school athletes because, you know, back in the day, again, we're talking back in the day, three, four years ago, Tops, it was, if you were a pretty good uh, high school athlete, regardless of the sport and you're being recruited by various uh, college coaches, you would have to say, sit there with the coach and with your parents and say, okay, what exactly are you going to offer me to come play for your school uh, in terms of scholarship money and so on and so forth? Now, mm-hmm. Now, that's the first question. The second question is, Coach, uh, tell us about uh, tell my family about your NIL program. What, what can I expect if I decide to go to uh, to your school? That's that's going to be a basic question now, and the coach better be prepared to really speak to that and just not say things like, "Well, we'll see how it works out," or "You know, we're excited." You got to have some specific numbers. Otherwise, the, the kid's going to say, "Well, I'm only getting numbers from the college, you know, uh, down the road." So it, it's it's changing all this. And to your point. If the coach now realizes the, the, that they're going to have to basically change their persona so kids aren't – they're having so much fun playing for state university that they don't want to even think about transferring someplace else. And I, I, it's really becoming as, – as you know, it's becoming more and more of a free agent uh, negotiation between the high school athlete and the coach. and And the, and the kid has to basically – with their parents or their family attorney or agent – Decide what's the best fit, knowing full well if things don't work out. Hey, I'll spend a year there and go to the transfer portal, go someplace else. Mm-hmm. Am I? Am I? Is this sound right to you?
3: Well, it sounds like that's the right scenario. Yeah. Does it sound right in terms of like right and wrong?
4: No, no. I'm talking about just this, this scenario. Make is this possible? Oh yeah,
3: yeah. So I now, mean, what's funny is that if we look back at the history of college athletics and all these you know stories, he got game and blue chips. There's always this sinister element of oh no the athlete is asking for money. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but keep in mind that these things really were never against the law. They were just against the NCAA rules that were made up by the schools and the NCAA together to protect the fact that they were benefiting off of student athletes for free. And I know yes, they get tuition, that's a ton of money. They get room and board. They do they did very well, right? But the fact of the matter is when the money exploded because of television and because of honestly think about it it's because of gambling. Well, that's that's, that's something That's I, why the NCAA tournament's so popular. You had to pay these guys and it's like it's so funny because it's the only place where wait, I want to make I want to make what I'm what I'm worth and somehow that has a negative connotation because we've been so conditioned to think of student athletes as amateurs you can't pay them. But that's just something that the schools And the NCAA made up. Let me
4: ask you about that, because this doesn't get much traction uh, in the world of uh, sports wagering. Have you heard or have you seen or are there any reports? Because I haven't seen any that perhaps uh, with all these student college athletes uh, making all this money now from NIL. Have you heard anything about uh, any of these these athletes getting in trouble with uh, with gambling or over wagering? I mean, I, I, I just haven't seen much about that. Have you heard? Is this is this a concern, or is this basically something that is sort of hidden from the from the public?
3: Yeah, I, I haven't heard a specific story yet, but I got news for you. That story's coming. Yeah, I feel I the same way. I believe that story's coming because when there's money flying around, there's people coming out of the shadows to see. Hey, buddy, let me let me see how I can invest that. Let me see. Actually, I got another idea, and the next step is going to be some kid makes a bad choice with a big amount of money, because I think what's, what's being lost in the shuffle of all this is that there's become an attitude of, if it makes you money, then it is inherently good. Right? Yeah. And I understand that money's very important, and people like making money, but the bottom line is that, why do you play the game? That, that can't be lost. Once you get your NIL deal, once you get to your right school, the idea of competition still needs to remain pure. And I just, I believe that that, is, that there's a big story coming about gambling in the next five years. I, I guarantee that'll happen because when the money gets too big, people start making mistakes.
4: Uh, I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, and and I, I, I do fear that's going to happen uh, because, as you said, money, a lot of money, unfortunately, sometimes has a way of changing people's uh, perspective, their their sense of right or wrong, their equilibrium. And some, of course, in some cases, people have a gambling uh, problem, which is a, a, you know, a real medical uh, condition. But, you know, and again, I don't know, do, you think college coaches are sitting down with uh, kids and saying, you know, I know you guys are making a lot of money on the side. You understand you can't gamble. You should not be gambling. And when a kid might say, well, coach, I'm, I'm, I'm putting some money down. I'm wagering on our team to win. What's wrong with that? And, and you know, you can see these things begin to just sort of go, go sideways and, and just go haywire. That is a concern. And the other thing, Noah, there's nobody, as we said, this is the wild, wild west. There's nobody enforcing this. I know a lot of colleges now are putting down ground rules about NIL deals and so on and so forth. But for the most part, there, nobody is sort of looking to get this uh, taken away. It's just, it's it's a gold rush. It's Everybody wants to get wealthy.
3: Yeah, and there's, there's no incentive to really regulate any of this, right? No, no. Because the more popular the top teams are, the more eyeballs, the more the money flows in, right? So it actually only incent- – it's only the incentivized for, like, the the lower-level schools that nobody's really tuning in to see anyway, right, until the NCAA tournament. So if you think about it, it's like, hey, more popular, better players, great. It's good for everybody.
4: Yep, Yeah. And I, I – I, as I said, I am concerned what's going to happen as, you, as we both feel – with this kind of money that's uh, raining from the sky, at some point there are going to be, unfortunately, some temptations with gamblers getting into the mix. And, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and what happens. And, you know, who who then basically steps in to enforce this and say, well, th- this top player was basically gambling on the game. Uh, what do we do here? Because the NCAAs, is, is every, every passing day, they become less and less of a factor on this. Uh, and it's going to be up to really, I guess, the colleges or their conferences to to step in and do something. It, it's it's, it is, it's, it's just, uh, it just being like a, a car that keeps going faster and faster, and at some point you've got to say, well, we got to put some brakes on this thing. Um, but, you know, it, you know and i I got to tell you, I, I saw a red article the other day about a dad um, who was like a so-so basketball player in high school, and he's raising huh? a nine-year-old boys, uh, who are very talented as nine-year-old basketball players, but he's basically sort of traveling these kids around the country to various uh, tournaments for nine-year-olds to showcase these kids, so that that in the hope that he'll get some NIL deals for his kids. And I, I that that scares me as well. Um, I mean, they're nine years old, and and it's just I, the father is about five ten, as I said, he was a so-so basketball player, so the kids probably aren't going to be really tall. Stuff scares me. Uh, it really is wild, wild west in every way. hey Noah, I, I could talk to you this about this stuff for a long long time, but i do I do think that uh, the issues you brought up and the repercussions, the complications of all with Nil and the transfer portal I really think this is uh, this is really just fascinating, and we 're all living through this right now to see what takes place um, i 'm going to thank you again, Noah, for taking the time this morning. you know i, I um yep. I, I really think uh, you really added a real fresh an inside look at all this stuff. And uh, again, that's what you do. You always provide a, a different and provocative look at, at sports. So always good to talk to you. Noah, my, my thanks again.
3: All right. Thanks, Rick.
4: Thank you. And, folks, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> as I said, I think we've covered some pretty fascinating topics here. And bringing on Noah, Noah Savage, too, who's in this, watching this on a day-by-day basis, he's giving you a very candid account of how, college sports, even high school athlete, athletics, and how they're going to be recruited, how this is all going to change in the very near future. It's already happening. You heard what I said about all these deals that are going down for, quite frankly, in some cases, millions of dollars. Millions of dollars to kids. Oh, unbelievable. Maybe I'm just jealous. <laughs> okay. Again, that's going to do it for me in this edition, this week's edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks to, uh, to Pete Hoffman and to, uh, to Ed Arzuman. And NFL preview is up next, I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge.
0: Okay, picture this. It's
2: Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better